Our gospel lesson today comes from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Most of us probably have at least a few memories of our very first day of school. We may remember feeling excited or scared or both, and with good reason. The educational system was a new country whose language and rules and culture we did not know. Probably we looked around at the other children wondering what they were like. We didn't know it at the time, but the people in the room would be a big part of our education. Now, while we were experiencing our one and only very first day of school, our teacher was in effect experiencing perhaps a 10th or a 20th or a 30th, because every year a kindergarten teacher experiences a new class's very first day of school. And for the teacher, every year is a new country. And every year's arrivals are just as clueless. So that teacher every year must be asking, what is the one first thing I need to teach? In the limited time that I have on this first day, what can I teach this clueless group of travelers that will equip them to take another step tomorrow? Maybe the most important thing to learn on that first day is who is in the room. When the teacher names each member of the class, that brings the community to life. And the community will inform and shape and surprise every student within it. Disciples are students. And in today's text, it is the first day of school. Because when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. In the literary tradition of the Bible, Jesus sitting down shows that he's about to teach. This is chapter 5 of Matthew, the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's true that Peter and Andrew, James and John, the disciples that Jesus has called so far, 
have heard some teaching before this because they would have been with Jesus in chapter 4 when he went throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues. Still, there's a formality to this moment, this sitting down and drawing near and opening his mouth to speak that feels like an official beginning. These disciples have followed Jesus not just into a classroom, but a new country with rules and culture all its own, and they are clueless. Jesus knows that their whole education will focus on recognizing the signs of the kingdom and moving toward them. As they begin this journey, what is the first thing, the one first thing to teach them, to equip them for another step tomorrow? Jesus chooses the classroom itself, the community of the followers of God. On the first day of school, Jesus invites the disciples to look around at the people in the classroom, knowing that this community must inform them and shape them and surprise them into a stronger life of faith and a deeper dive into the kingdom of heaven. Not that the disciples were necessarily seeking that. Honestly, we don't really know why the disciples were following Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, none of them asked, well, where are you going? Nobody asked, what will you teach me? Maybe they weren't even looking for an education. If they were, they might have been surprised by this first look at the classroom. Education is supposed to lead to success, right? And the people that Jesus is about to name, the people he will call blessed, are not going to look like successful people. Some of them will be in poverty. Some of them will be crying out in the streets in grief or despair. Some of them will be persecuted, the ones who get arrested and beaten, and even killed. The kind of people that successful people often choose to avoid fearing taint by association. Yet this is the community of the followers of God. These are the people that Jesus calls blessed. On the first day of school, the disciples will learn that the rules and culture of the kingdom of heaven are pretty much the opposite of any place they have ever been. So let's put ourselves on that mountain <clears throat> with the disciples on their very first day of school. And with them, let us look around the classroom as Jesus speaks. First, he directs our attention to the poor in spirit. Many or all of them may also be just plain poor economically impoverished, which is what it says in Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Because poverty, whether of wallet or of spirit, <clears throat> has a way of making you know how little your life is actually under your own control. Poor people know that arrogance is a luxury and dependence is a necessity. <clears throat> this is the condition also of spiritual poverty, 
which Zinzendorf called being small and sinner-like. And commentator Eugene Boring calls a characterization of the true people of God. It is the condition in which people stop congratulating themselves for the good things in their lives because they know their dependence on God at every waking moment. These are the people that Jesus calls blessed. Jesus says theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which should give us some idea about the nature of the king. Now, the weeping that we hear in the classroom, that is the ones who mourn. We all know mourning, for we have all known loss. But we should also know that in the Old Testament, which is to say the scriptural tradition in which Jesus was raised, the people of God are a people of lament because they know the world is not yet what it should be. It is not yet what God would have it be. Comfort and consolation are coming in the day when God's dream for the world is made fully real. Meanwhile, the mourners are not resigned to the world's present condition, and they grieve for what cannot yet be. And that air of grief may make them unpopular, but Jesus calls them blessed, because when their comfort comes, it will be a sign of the whole world's salvation. The next group we might not have noticed had Jesus not drawn our attention to them, the meek. When we hear that word, we tend to picture quiet people tiptoeing around so as not to disturb anyone in their humility, preferring to remain invisible. But maybe they are invisible because we choose not to look. What if the meek of whom Jesus speaks are humbled not by choice but by the disdain of the world? The ones resigned to their oppression only because they trust God to eventually lift their heads. Jesus calls them blessed. God promises to restore the fortunes of the oppressed even so much that the meek will inherit the earth. If the meek are not making noise, maybe it's because they can't be heard over those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In this classroom community, these folks are never quiet because they are never satisfied. It's like that old saw from Deuteronomy 16:20: Justice, justice you shall pursue. They just keep talking about it. Or no, not just talking, they keep pursuing it, raising their voices in protest, working to set things right. Those folks can definitely stir up a classroom. Maybe you wonder if it's safe to sit next to them. If they get into trouble, so might you. Jesus calls them blessed because their hunger and thirst will be satisfied. If you want to be somewhere quiet, maybe you should sit next to the merciful. Mercy is quiet, but mercy is not weak. Mercy has the strength to say that what seems just, for example, vengeance, may not be necessary. Mercy also has the capacity to surrender the fight in the face of suffering. 
I have been asked by the families of the dying if it is okay to pray for mercy. Yes. Mercy is strong like that. People who are merciful are people whom Jesus calls blessed. He says that they, in turn, will receive mercy. By now, we are realizing that this classroom, this strange new country, has different values than the world that surrounds it. As Eugene Boring says, in none of the Beatitudes is advice being offered for getting along in the world. In our present world, meekness and mercy are looked at as signs of weakness. Mourning and crying for justice are sounds to be silenced. Poverty is something to be exploited or ignored. The poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the merciful, in today's climate, some might even call them losers. And yet Jesus goes on and on. The pure in heart who cannot be persuaded to cheat or lie or finagle for their own gain, blessed they shall see God. The peacemakers who refuse to be goaded into conflict or violence, who willingly step between arguing parties and even armies seeking the good of both, blessed children of God. And those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, which is probably all the ones just named from the poor in spirit on, blessed, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They own this classroom. What kind of community is this? Where are these travelers going? Don't you want to know? Don't you maybe kind of want to join them? Maybe as you've heard Jesus naming these community members, you have gradually been drawn in. Maybe you are feeling called to lay aside concerns with appearance or status or success to enter this strange community of saints, the poor, the howlers in the street, the unseen doers of good, the brave who risk reputation, health, and life to insist that justice, justice they shall pursue. Maybe the reason you hear the call so clearly is that you're already in the classroom. Jesus says, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is no longer speaking in the abstract. This community of saints is no longer hypothetical. You can stop imagining and start looking in the mirror. When you stand for God, when you live with your eyes fixed on what God values, you are blessed. Even when no one in a cynical society says so. Even when you suffer. Jesus says, rejoice. You are blessed because Jesus says so. The fact is, Jesus is not just teaching. Jesus is creating. Just as when God says, let there be light, there is light. When Jesus says, let there be blessing, there is blessing. 
When Jesus says, let these people, these hopes, these actions be the kingdom of heaven, they are. As he sits on the mountain with the disciples around him and the crowd around them, Jesus, by naming and pronouncing blessing, creates the community of God's people. Today is All Saints Day, a day set aside in the church year to remember those in the community of God's people who have been our examples, our models, our saints. Some of their names are known by the world. Some of their names are known only by you. All of them were and remain citizens of a strange country. In this country, losers are winners. The last shall be first. And the rules of the world are upside down. What a peculiar place it is. May we be forever called into it, forever moving toward its signs, forever diving deeper into this kingdom of heaven. May it always inform us and shape us. May it always surprise us. In the name of Jesus, amen.